Uh, before, we, uh, before I just open the word, I just felt like this morning during the praise and worship, I was going to get up and shoulder tap um, Ruth, but uh, she was in a flow and I didn't want to interrupt her. But I just felt like there were, um, just saw like arms being put around people this morning and um, the presence of God was wanting to come upon us. And I was just thinking, well, there, there could be somebody here today that needs healing and I'd like to take this opportunity for us to lend our hands to the Lord and uh, he knows who they are. And also I felt there was like um, discouragement, you know, like heaviness. Some people just sort of got some real challenges and I felt like the arms of the Lord wanted to go around people today. So if anyone is here that needs physical healing um, or healing of any particular type, could you just stand for a moment? Because I just feel like God's wants to do something. And if anyone is also feeling a little bit like, you know, hope next week's better than this week, um, would you stand as well? Because we want to put, you know, put the Lord's arm around you this morning. And uh, we will be take that place. Okay. Now those that are seated, get up and go and find someone. <laughs> And then let's just minister to them just for a moment and let's find out what it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we speak your healing presence today. We speak your healing power. We just thank you, Lord, that your love just is such, Lord, that you want us never to not be able to call on your name in times of difficulty, in times of challenge. And so, Father, we just ask in Jesus' name, let your healing power just invade bodies here this morning. You know those that are stood, you know their conditions, you know their situation. And so we lend you our hands today and just say, Holy Spirit, heal. And for those, Lord, that are just feeling discouraged or whatever challenges they've got before them that possibly haven't yet gone away, we put our arms around them, Lord, and we just say, be encouraged. The Lord is with you. The Lord sees. The Lord is watching over you. The Lord's going to make a way. The Lord is going to use you to glorify his name, even as a result of this circumstance. So, Father, we speak encouragement, and we just wrap our arms around those people today and just say, be encouraged, be blessed, be be set free and let the song of the Lord rise in your heart, a song of praise, a song of worship. Holy Spirit, have your way, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Cool. Well, we're going on with the, uh, the theme of love God, love people, and I'm possibly going to come at it from a slightly different angle. Uh, as most of you know, missions is in my blood. And if you ever get a transfusion from me, you'll catch it too. <laughs> um, and uh, even though we're no longer living abroad, it's still, you know, we're very, very mindful of the continents and the nations and the teams that are just doing phenomenal work. And, uh, and so the theme, love God, love people, relates very, very much to why people do what they do. And uh, I trust God's word will just open our eyes and our hearts today to what he may want us to do here in New Zealand and beyond. All right, let me just pray. Father, I just thank you that your word is eternal. 
Your word is designed to, Lord, even if we read it again and again and again, it, it is able to open our eyes to see new things. And so, Father, we just say we want to love you in return for your love for us, and yet our love seems to be quite a, quite a bit more shallow than what your love is. And we ask today that you will increase our capacity to love you. And in doing so, Lord, to give you greater freedom in our lives. To again, extend our hands and our arms and our feet and our voice to be your representatives. Wherever you, wherever you design for our feet to go, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, because they're very similar verses in some ways, but 1 John 3.16, oh, I've called the message, haven't I? Hot or cold, all or nothing. Uh, <laughs> hot or cold, all or nothing. So 1 John 3.16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And then 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. So some people try to say, well, show me God, describe God. And even when we say God is love, you kind of get a blank look as well. Like, okay, what does that mean? I remember speaking in a tertiary camp uh, in Malaysia up on the highlands. Or the, it was a church tertiary camp in the sense of university students in the church. And um, I don't know, we had 70 or 80 of them come up onto the highlands just outside Kuala Lumpur. And I think it was the first time I was, I'd ever been asked to speak on the love of God. And um, so, you know, from perspective of, you know, we have this heavenly father, we also have earthly fathers, and so you kind of design a message around that. And um, I was explaining the love of God as I understood it even back then. And uh, at the end of it, I must have had about six or seven young ladies come up the front after that particular session closed saying, could they talk to me? And the talk was on the lines of, we want, we want to know that love that you've talked about because their homes didn't reflect that love. They didn't know a father's love, even though they had a father. I think two didn't and the others did, but they said, we've got no, we can't sort of compare because we don't know. The big problem was the fathers that were alive lived with them, but never, in a sense, talked to them. Worked long hours, made a lot of money, blessed their home, blessed their family, but the kids wanted more. And the father thought he was doing the fatherly thing. He was being responsible, and yet these kids were crying out for love. And I think that's kind of reflected in lots of societies today. In, in parts of Africa, they, it's an Australian expression, but in parts of Africa, um, the fathers have gone missing. They, even they have adopted. They've gone walkabout. And they never know when they're going to come back. And so you see a lot of women raising children, and yet the kids don't know love in the, in the sense of a father's love. And so they struggle to understand 
How could God love me? What does that love look like? How tangible is that? And yet when, you, when people hear, whether it's a mass evangelism, whether it's a community program, whether it's a, a little inter, a connect group or something, people hear the message that God is love and he loves them and he's got a plan for their life. I tell you, it opens their eyes. They're just like, I want to know that love. I want to experience that love. And so we are conscious of the fact that we've got to let that love be taken out, taken away. And we sang this morning, the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. We are the glory of the Lord. We are the ones who are to take it. It's not like God's just going to say, blow a big cloud over the continents and say, here's my glory. And all of us sort of say we feel redundant. But rather he is saying, I want, you are my glory. I want to fill you with my love that wherever you go, people touch you. They touch me. So God does not have love. He is love. It's his very nature. The plan of God is not to do something for us, but rather to be love to us. And so some of us possibly have experience God's love at a certain level, and we'll come to this a little later in the message, but there is more levels, if you like. There are more levels for us to go to experience his love. And in doing so, that glory, his presence increases on us, and people catch our virus. And they're influenced by our testimony. His very nature, of course, was revealed at the cross, I was listening to a little clip of Billy Graham the other day. You know, you, you flick through things and here's, here's Billy speaking and he's talking about Jesus on the cross and he's talking about the love of God. And he said, do you know, 74,000 angels could have been sent to rescue him. But he said, no, I want to do this because of God's love for humanity. It was the only way that you and I could possibly come to experience God's love is through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And those angels were told to stay in their barracks, so to speak, you know, it's not their time. Christians in turn are to show that they are God's children by demonstrating sacrificial attitudes, actions like Jesus did. And may we continually press into him for more and more revelation of his love who he is. You know, you know, during the songs this morning, I was just saying, Lord, I, I just want to know, I want to know more about your love. Your love, why did you choose me and not my cousin? You know, we were bro- both brought up in Christian circles, so to speak, but he just dropped right away. He and I was close as close, and he just, don't talk to me about God. He doesn't exist. And yet we were brought up together and God plucked me out of this little village in Northland and not him at this stage. He doesn't know it, but boy, are we bombarding him with prayer. (laughs) In Matthew 9, 35 to 36, let me read it. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages and teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news to the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds or the multitudes, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
And Matthew 14 is also talking about similar crowds following the season. He was moved with compassion. Both Matthew 9 and Matthew 14 talk about Jesus looks out at this multitude and they were there in the huge numbers. And they all had different reasons for being there. Some possibly out of curiosity. Some possibly had an agenda trying to trip him up. Some were in need. Some thought there's no other entertainment, I'll go there anyway. You know, whatever it might be, they all had different reasons for being there. And he says, when he looked out upon the crowd, he felt compassion for them. How do you feel compassion for people who are trying to kill you? He kind of, he didn't sort of go through the crowd and says, oh, I love him and love him, love him. Oh, watch that guy. Uh, and we got oh, another guy. Uh, watch him. You know, he's okay. They're okay. He didn't single them out. He knew who they were. He knew who the religious leaders were. And yet it says he had compassion for them. You see, there's a level that you and I have got to attain to that we also can love our enemies. It's, it's difficult. It's a challenge, especially when there's some historical stuff there. But we have that capacity to love our enemies. And for those of us who are still not quite there yet, go deeper. It's like, God, I know it's the right thing to do. I want to punch them in the face right now. But your word says I'm to love them. Help me to love them. Because the punch in the face is not going to solve the problem. You'll feel better. (laughs) The word compassion in the Hebrew describes this as coming from a place of tender mercies and feelings of affection. Something in here of God's love releases this tender mercy and affection and sympathy to the unlovable. And so I think we've got a way to go yet, but it's an inspiring way to go, to sort of say, You know, I'm grateful for what I am and who I am right now, but I feel I'm still a a diamond in the making. There's still some stuff to be chiseled off. And Lord, help me. Help me because I want to be the glory of God in my family and community. I want people to see Christ in me. And it's not my words necessarily. When Jesus walked the earth, crowds, multitudes followed him. And it says he felt compassion for them. Then Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So in a sense, we have the presence of God invaded our bodies. He's in us. He won't leave us even when we trip up and do some dumb stuff and, and you know, we let him down and disappoint him, he doesn't sort of go away and say, I'll come back next Sunday and hope you're in a better condition that I'll come back in and inhabit you again. He doesn't leave us. But the fact is he's saying, I want to sort of, uh, my presence has been poured into you and I want it to pour out of you. And I'm empowering you to allow my presence to reach others through you. We have been empowered. The word love, agape, God's love, is an unconditional commitment to love. 
that's rooted in unchange, an unchanging decision. He's made a decision to love the world. And there are people in this world that curse him. There are people in this world ridicule him, rubbish him. And yet his love for them is as strong today as it is for you and I. He wishes that none should perish. And this love, it always gives and doesn't change whether that love is returned or not. It's not like, okay, I've taken two steps towards you. How about you doing at least one towards me? It's like, I'm just going to keep taking steps towards you. When we were based in Singapore, we you get to know a, a whole bunch of people from other parts of the world, of course, that are in ministry. And, and uh, we had this friend of ours called Keith and got to visit his church. And later on when he left in America, when he went back to America and that, and we've stayed in touch and he's, his ministry has been a real blessing to some of our teams. Anyway, when Keith was based in Singapore, he was traveling around Asia as we were and he had been over on the Indian subcontinent and he had a friend who um, had a ministry over on the east side of India and he thought he'd call in and just hang out with his friend for a day or so before he returned back to his family in Singapore. And so he reached his friend and his friend said, well, hey, I've got a, a meeting tonight because Keith arrived late in the afternoon. Um, I'd love you to come and speak. But um, he said, I can't tell you too much, but we're going to have to wait until it's dark because it's a closed compound and I'll have to sneak you in. And so Keith just trusted his friend and followed his advice, prepared himself to speak, gets to this meeting. It's dark, candles are burning. Uh, you can't see the faces or the people's really other than you can see their eyes and their teeth. And uh, he knows they're there and he calculated later maybe between 20, 25 people. And uh, the, he said the heat in the room, they didn't open any windows. They didn't want anything, you know, sort of being heard outside. And so he was asked to speak and he preached. And he said, I don't know, I preached with my interpreter for about half an hour and I preached on the love of God. And as he was closing, he felt the Lord said to him, now I want you to go and put your arms around each one and whisper in their ear, God loves them and so do you. So he said to the interpreter, could you come with me? I need to minister and this is what God wants me to do. And so everyone was standing, he went and he, he put his arms around and hugged each one, whispered in their ear, God loves you and so do I. He got through the whole th group, he said, with maybe less than 30 minutes, he was able to do that. They closed the meeting and then his friends sneaked him out again back to where they were staying. And his friend said to him on the way, I've never seen anybody minister like that before. Keith says, oh, I often find myself going up and just feeling like I've got to lend my arms for the Lord to put them around people to feel loved. And his friend said, yeah, but not to lepers. And they were a colony of lepers. And he was asked to put his arms around and not just speak the words, but to let the Lord borrow his arms. <laughs> Most of us would, wouldn't we? He was shocked. He was so glad he did. 
It's a decision to love is a decision of your heart to seek the other person's highest good. No matter how they may respond. I think we've all possibly done something, shown, tried to show kindness, uh, given a gift, um, you know, cut somebody's lawn, dropped a little food parcel off or something like that and got nothing in return. That's the agape love. Just do it. We just do it. And don't expect anything. But when it comes, if it does, and it's positive, you feel a bit chuffed about that. Agape is a love of choice rather than by chance. And it's a, it's a will. I will to do it versus I let my emotions tell me yes or no. I just want to do it. It describes the unconditional love God has for the world. So that's kind of describing how God's love can be shown and manifested to others and obviously to us. But I want to talk about God's compelling love. If you and I get baptized afresh in his love, I wonder what could happen. I wonder how our community, our city, our nation, our, the nations could be impacted by God's love compelling us. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, it says, for the love, this is Paul writing, saying, for the love of Christ compels us that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. This is an amazing verse, one I read regularly and one I kind of meditate on it, because I'm thinking of the writer, Paul. He was a crook. He was a killer. He was a murderer. He was vile. He had an agenda and nothing was going to stop him arresting Christians, putting them in prison, and then later on being part of throwing them to the lions or whatever. That was Paul. And he has this amazing encounter on the road to, to Damascus, and we know his life has just so radically changed over many months that followed. And here he is now, totally absorbed in God's love, this amazing love that changed his whole course of life, and he says, it compels me. It's like a catapult, you know, with a massive stone, and, and it's pulled back and back and back, and then you, you undo it, and away it goes. Out you go. After having a revelation of God's amazing love to you and I, that he gave his one and only son to stay on that cross, hang on that cross, to die for my sins, for your sins. There should be a desire in our hearts to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. Help me. I want my life to count. But it won't happen if we don't continually pursue more and more revelation of what the love of God is toward us. I was reading this week about C.T. Studd, the founder of the WEC mission, World Evangelism Crusade, and he was a missionary to China, India, and later to Africa. He was from a wealthy family, and when his parents died, he inherited 
along with his two brothers, they inherited a fortune. And by that time, Stud had become a believer. And he decided that this wealth was a distraction because he was already serving the Lord, but he just felt he just wanted to give it away. And so he, he divided it up into many, many, many portions and lots of people benefited. He was also an English cricketer and very good. And I think he played four or five games. They could have done with him recently in India. The English didn't do too good. But um, anyway, he was a cricketer and he turned his back on being a household name, or becoming famous possibly in order to serve the Lord. After he'd been in um, India and China, he had come back to England to recharge his batteries and and, uh, share the vision of going to Africa. Been in China and India, now he's heading for Africa. And uh, his health wasn't so good, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, if you go to Africa, you're going to die. And he said, well... God's called me to go, so go I must. And so he did. He went to Africa, and he did die in Africa 21 years later. And he had this little saying, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. And so you and I are on this earth, and and we've got time, Some of us are going to have a bit longer than others, and others are going to be a bit shorter than others. But the fact is, we all have time, and the Bible tells us that this world and our life in this world has has an effect on what we do that has eternal value. And you don't have to leave New Zealand to have eternal value. Our prayers have eternal value. Our giving has eternal value. Our hospitality has eternal value. The thing is, there's so much that we can be doing that has eternal value. And so we've got to ask the love of God to con- not to sort of just settle at a nice convenient level in us, but to sort of say, Lord, continue to overwhelm me because I want to impart something with more people. A friend, um, I think I might have mentioned, um, told the story a little bit before, but you know, a guy who had great influence on our lives, he he and his wife went to Mexico and um, he lost a third of his stomach on an aircraft carrier during the Second World War and no mission organization would send him because of his health. But he went anyway and he's still there today. Well over 70 years later, he's still serving God there. But he had this, um, he lost a third of his stomach and he says, I can eat hot chili peppers hotter than any Mexican can. God's obviously healed his stomach in so many different ways. But his, um, his life was to endeavor to impart the love of God. He went because of the love of God. And so you and I have got to come to a place where we recognize that, uh, you know, there's more to do. And one or two of us possibly might find ourselves going to foreign nations because the love of God overwhelms us like Danny and Ruby Bayasin. They did the Kairos course. The Kairos course can ruin you. Don't do it if you don't want to serve God. But the Kairos course opens your eyes to Scripture and you see the the heartbeat of God from Genesis right through to Revelation of God saying, I want to reach all mankind. 
And so part of the five-day live-in course was the uh, different times of the day. They had to get on their knees and pray. And so they had this massive world map on the wall. And you had to go and find a continent, ask the Lord to lead you to a continent that, to pray for. And they found Africa. And then uh, identify a nation in, on the continent. And they chose Burkina Faso. And then there were different people groups identified around Burkina Faso that were not yet reached. And they settled on the Fulani people, a nomadic people. And Danny and Ruby would say, each day we would just kneel on the, on the floor and pray and say, God, give us a heart for the Fulanis. They didn't even, they'd never been outside the Philippines. And they said, we wept and wept and wept many times for the Fulani. And all we had was a couple of small faces of what they could have been Fulani. They didn't know. They just looked African. But, you know, they were the Fulani. And so they were on their knees praying for the Fulani. 18 months later, Danny and Ruby and two of their children flew out to Burkina Faso. Didn't speak French, but learned it in six months. And were able to minister for over 12 years in Burkina Faso. And led many, many Fulani to the Lord. You see, when you and I get a map of the world and get on our knees and say, Lord, how do I show? I don't feel called to go, but, you know, you can reverse that if necessary. But, Lord, I want to pray for some of these nations. And there's plenty to pray for right now. That God's love will be demonstrated through us. So how's our love for God? How is our love? How deep is our love? Isn't That's a song, isn't it? How deep is our love? Anyway, I won't ruin it. But Matthew 24, 12 says, this is Jesus talking about the end times. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And then later on, John writes what the Lord spoke to him about the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3, and it says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot, so then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. How is it possible for Christians to become lukewarm? What happens to us? What softens us? What takes that cutting edge away? of just going through the motions. You settle, you don't even know you're doing it. And so we've got to come to a place where we recognize the Lord's love filling our hearts continually, always. We don't have to fear becoming lukewarm. Ezekiel, and this is an interesting uh, chapter to, I'm just going to refer to. It's got a, it's got possibly a way in which we can recognise how, how we're doing in our walk with God. But in Ezekiel 30, 47 verses three to twelve, um, Ezekiel's had a vision, and he's had a vision of this water stream that's just getting bigger and bigger coming from under the temple of God, and it, it develops into a river. And there's a man with a measuring line. And he sees this guy in the vision going and measuring a thousand cubits from the, from the shoreline, which is about four and a half meters. 
And he, he brought Ezekiel to his ankles, to about ankle depth. And we can liken that to salvation. You know, we've, we've been brought into the presence of God, the river of God, and, and we recognize we need him. He loves us. And we give our lives to him, and we are different. We, most of us here today can remember when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, where it was, when it was, and maybe some the time. But even at salvation, and I know a lot of people have, that were an inspiration to Mary and I who were wonderfully saved but can't be found in church today. Still love God, but playing it safe possibly. Curious. Like an arms folded type of commitment. And then this man goes in verse 4 to another level. Brought him to his knees. Speaks to me of water baptism. Really interested. Still want to remain in control. And there's a lot of us out there like that. Remember the story of um, Judges? The name just eluded me. The guy had uh, 10,000 soldiers and took them down to the river. Gideon. And, um, And the Lord said, take them in there into the water and get them to drink. And so they all go into the water and and uh, must have been 9,700 of them got down on their knees and just, you know, soaked in. The others cupped it in their hands, 300 or so, cupped it in their hands, and he said, I'll take those ones. In a sense, they're alert, they're looking, they're drinking. The others just absorbed. And so we've got to sort of come to a place where we know God is looking to see how real our heart is and then verse 4 again it goes another thousand cubits to waist deep the baptism of the Holy Spirit we could liken it to serious a seeker of truth spiritually hungry willing to embrace more of God and so we can just go through and say tick 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 got salvation got water baptism got the baptism of the Holy Spirit I've got the package And we kind of get the feeling like, well, that must be it. But he goes another thousand cubits into the river and he has himself swimming. Complete surrender, abandonment, willing to trust God with one's life, led by the current of the Holy Spirit, allowing God to stretch him been open to experiencing new things. You sure are when you're swept in the current. We got caught in a current out of Papamoa many years ago. I, was, I think I was courting a young lady. And you have to do all kind of impressive things. So we're out on the water. Suddenly the shoreline just gets further and further away. Fortunately, we had a surfboard and there's about five of us hanging on for dear life until somebody who knew the current, how to work it, brought us in. Felt a bit embarrassed that day. The night couldn't come fast enough. <laughs> but here he is, this man swimming in the river and his complete abandonment to God, being stretched and experiencing new things. When was the last time we experienced something new in God? 
we have a young couple leaving New Zealand tomorrow morning, going back to Ethiopia. They've been there some seven years already. She comes home to have her children in New Zealand and after three months, off they go again. And so they've got a, their latest baby was born early October and she's, they're flying out tomorrow, her third son called Luca, and they're going back to Ethiopia to work amongst an unreached people group on the shorelines of a lake, a few hundred thousand of them. Not real Ethiopians. They're a distinct people group that don't have the, many of the rights of the, of the ethnic uh, Ethiopians. And yet, in their animism and all the rest of it, they're trying to find God. And so, Mia and George and their three boys are going to, again, work among them. She's a qualified doctor turned her back on a medical career in order to go and just demonstrate the love of God. When you hang out with people like that, it doesn't condemn me, it doesn't depress me, it inspires me. It inspires me to say, okay, I'm not called to Ethiopia, but I'm still called. I'm called. And Lord, wherever I'm called, I want to make a difference. And I need your love because, you know, I'm going to meet some angry people along the way and that, 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 their reactions could make me want to walk away. But your love says to hang in there. Don't give up. The thing about the river that Ezekiel saw is that the banks overflowed. And again, remember the Romans 5.5, 5, I'm going to pour out my love through you, through the Holy Spirit. And, and the river banks of the blessings of God, the promises of God overflowed the banks. And it says the trees on the shoreline were continually in fruit throughout all the seasons. They were fruitful trees and that's our lives. We are to be fruitful in all seasons. The more we keep surrendering ourselves to the Lord, the more his love will consume us. The more his love consumes us, the more we will marvel at the ocean of his love and that he is. And we will want to help. We will want to share and help make a difference. Final scripture, 1 John 4, 17 to 18 Love has been perfected, brought to maturity among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You talk to any person who's gone overseas to do something for the Lord among a people they don't know, I tell you, some of them shake in their boots, especially when they arrive. What have I done? What am I doing to my kids? You know, and then the first few months, almost the first year, you kind of feel like you, you're in bed more than you're out of the bed with fevers, diarrhea, all those lovely things that go with adjusting to a foreign culture. And yet when you touch the first person, you influence the first person with the love of God, you just forget about those things. And you just say, what more could I do? What more? As we proactively pursue God, our love for him and for others will grow more perfect.
Can we have the girl band up again? And before they choose a song or play a song, this morning, and I hope no one's feeling in any way condemned this morning because I'm preaching to myself too. I don't want to lose the cutting edge of, of what God wants of your life. And I'm not going to allow anybody to put me in a box and say, this is what, you know, this is the season of life you're in now. Uh, just behave. God's a breakout God. He's a breakthrough God. We, we preached, uh, we sang it this morning. So let's not limit God. But he, he's got us here this morning to hear something. And, and maybe Sean just pr- prayed earlier. May one person, at least one person, hear what John's saying. I was going to say, a few more. A few more would be good. But um, the fact is, we all hear different things. And this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to to many of us, will you renew your commitment to my service? Will you allow my love to invade you even more? Would you be proactive? That's a good word, you know, proactive in serving him and seeking him. Does it require the alarm going up a little earlier? I don't know. But the fact is, what more could we do to say, Lord, I'm serious. I know you're serious, but I, I really am serious. I want to finish this year well, and I want to go into 2024 with eyes that are wide open to see opportunities around me, in our community, and beyond as you so lead. Would you stand with me? And if that's you, would just lift your hand as I pray, because I know God knows our heart, and he knows our shortcomings. And yet, he continues to persevere with us. Father, we stand with our hands lifted up again this morning to acknowledge your amazing love, your incredible love. Oh, Lord, we need a fresh dose of it. I need a fresh dose of it, of your love, your baptism of love, Lord. May it come upon us more so than what we've had before because Lord we want to be your glory we want to wherever we go in New Zealand or elsewhere we want to share and show and demonstrate the glory of God and Lord along we want to also influence even those hard-hearted people as well as the those who have a, a heart of peace in a village in a town in a street men and women of peace we want to see them too Lord people whose hearts you have prepared to receive the good news. So Holy Spirit, right now, our hands are lifted up. We know you know where we live. You know our address. And Lord, you're well able to come knocking on our door, the door of our hearts and say, will you follow me? So we just recommit ourselves to you now and we want to praise you. We just want to finish our time together just praising you and thanking you for your patience, for your long suffering, for enduring with us, Lord. But Lord, you chose us because we are set apart with promises to make a difference and influence people for the kingdom of God. And we want our lives to have eternal value and inheritance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.